In the following live session recording, Joel Goddard, worship pastor with Bethlehem Church in Bethlehem, Georgia, discusses leading a worship band. This session will be a discussion of what it takes to effectively lead a worship band. The leader will speak about congregational leadership, worship planning, team communication, and much more. The session includes a Q&A time with a live band on some of the practices and principles they prioritize. Let's join Joel now. Well, I know we just ate, and I just take a half. So we're just gonna we're just gonna split the time first before we get our own time, and um, and we'll go from there. Thank you. 
Well, good afternoon. Good to see you guys. Um, we're uh, going to try to make it as less weird as possible with it. I think we're in a big room. Uh, I understand that uh, sometimes it's a little bit different, but um, I've said this to a lot of guys in the band that sometimes I feel I don't, I don't quite just trying to think through why they got to be a come and be a part of this. I think I have a few reasons why. Um, but I want to at least um, start off by saying that I feel like most of the time, for me, I, when, when it comes to helping people and giving people advice, I spend more time being able to tell people what not to do than actually what to do. Um, it's still a work in progress, still trying to figure out what I'm doing. And always do an inventory on yourself too. Just always being willing to grow. And so it says a lot to me when people come, worship leaders come, or all of you worship leaders that are here, all of you worship leaders or musicians worship leaders, like you know, for, to come and be a part of something like this, you just want to learn. And we all want to learn from each other. I just happen to be the one up front this time. Next time I'll be out there, one of you will be the other. So there's no weird expectations at all. Or feeling from my part that I've come here to tell you something you don't know. Um, that, that would be really me to think that I had something like that. But if I were to actually look back and figure out why they asked me to come, I think this is why. Um, I was on the road for 15 years and then uh, traveled with my wife and our baby girl. And uh, we're on the road pretty much all the time. Uh, we already planning on homeschooling our kids when they got big enough. We just like being on the road, like going to all the different places that we went. We can cover the whole camp from uh, kids all the way to adult arrivals and uh, youth conferences and all kinds of things. And we uh, um, got pregnant with my second child, I three, my son, who's now um, 13 years old. Uh, he um, uh, when he came, the pastor of the church that we were going to at the time, we, we attended First Baptist Bethlehem, the, the church right now is Bethlehem Church, but it's, we just took Bethlehem off the sign, still so Baptist Church. Um, we felt like it was false advertisement for anybody that grew up in the Baptist Church. Um, our, we, our beliefs and our foundation is in the Baptist uh, theology and belief system, um, but when you were coming into a service, you were see what you what you grew what I grew up in, in the Baptist Church that I grew up in. And so we just call it Bethlehem Church. I think our checks still say first Baptist Bethlehem on, but it's just a change to call the sign. So and it's interesting a lot of people uh, in our community that come to start going have no idea that that it's the first Baptist church. That's the church that my wife and I attended when I was not on the road. I love this church. Um, one of the, this is kind of selfish, but the reason why we love this church is because when we first came, um, uh, we, we attended on, on a few Sundays and they didn't ask me to sing or they worship. I was like, I love this church because they 
you know, with the places we would go visit and say they could understand or something. And they didn't do it. They just welcomed us as just family. And it was just a really a neat place. And really enjoyed being there. And so when my son was born, the pastor of the church came. And while he was holding my son, which was really smart, he says, um, would you consider coming to be our worship pastor? And I, because, I mean, I love him, I said, yeah, I'll consider it, but probably not, but I'll consider it. Uh, and, and, you know, part of the first push that I had towards him was, you sure you want me? Because in my traveling, I was in a lot of different denominations and different things, and I didn't really see myself as a First Baptist worship pastor. You know, I, I don't know how to do a orchestra. I don't know how to run a choir. I don't know how to do any of that. And so I just said, hey, you sure you want me? And he said, well, that's why I want you. He said, I want to transition our church more towards being able to be more relevant to our community. I want you to have a chance at that. And, you know, I didn't think much about it. I got in the car and I already knew God was going to speak to me and, uh, about that. And my wife, even though I got home, she said, well, what about that? She could just tell by the way I was getting really quiet and thinking that there was something going on there. So I went to the pastor and I said, I won't. I'm considering it and I'm thinking it through. I said, but I will not come unless I can meet with the senior adults first. And he gave me this look and said, okay, like, have fun with that. And uh, so there's 80 of them. Um, and we all been in this small side room. And I knew it was going to be hot, but it, it kind of, it got me. Because when, when uh, they started walking in the door, this lady, Ms. Uh, Jordan, she walks inside the door, and she sees me and walks up. She goes, I'm glad you called this meeting. She said, we're going to put you on the hot seat. She goes, we got some questions for you. And I just felt all the blood drain out of me. And just as I go, no, I've made a huge mistake. Traveling is easy, y'all. I mean, you, you, you can you go in, you rock it out, and you get to leave, you know? And you, you don't have to deal with your mess the next day, and you don't have to deal with everybody else's mess either. And so, you know, sometimes I think I can meet these guys that are like, I've been full-time on the road for all these years and stuff, and I literally will say to them, with love in my heart, you don't know what your ministry is until you are at the local church. For longer than two years, you don't really know what true ministry is. And I thought I did. And that was my first little kick in the gut of, oh, boy, okay, uh, I, I don't deal with these senior adults. So we come in and I said, you know, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. I haven't said I'm coming, but you're the only people who know that I would even ask. And I said, so when I ask you some questions, I know you have some questions for me, and let's see if we're on the same page. And if we're not, I'll say no. And so, first question, will you still do hymns? First question. And uh, I said, yes, I said, I love the hymns. Uh, will you do Southern Gospel? I'm going to do some Southern Gospel. They started hitting down that trail, but you know how that goes. If, you, if you're in a church like that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it just started hammering me down. And there's this man on the front, and Mr. Ralph, I don't know, some guy named Mr. Ralph. He, 
He said, are you going to do those praise songs? And I was like, yes, sir. He goes, when you go home, when you sing this thing, that don't come home to me. And I said, yes, sir. He goes, I get it the first time. I don't know why you have to keep singing this thing, that don't come home to me. And uh, I said, well, y'all are the ones who taught us that. Repetition. You taught us repetition. By singing the same hymns all the time. My entire life, the reason I know what page they are on the red hymn book is because of repetition. And then he said, well, I just don't think it's biblical. And so I got down on one knee in front of him. And I said, there are angels around the throne saying the same thing over and over and over again. God loves repetition. But repetition is not for him. God doesn't have an insecurity. He doesn't have a day where he needs one of us or all of us to tell him how awesome he is. He doesn't have bad days. So repetition is not for him. It's not keep saying until he finally goes, okay, you're right, I'm awesome. Okay, I'm holy. That's not how this works. Repetition is for us and it changes us. My theory, this is not biblical, but I think it is, <laughs> is the angels are saying the same thing over and over again. I, I really and truly believe that God is inexhaustible. Even though He's the same, He's been a day forever, He is inexhaustible. And right when the angels get into the uh, Lord God, like it was and is and is too, God reveals a little bit more of Himself, and they get rubbed again in the Holy 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 Spirit. So we, uh, in talking through that, uh, one of the questions was, what's your plan? What do you do? And that's when the kind of started asking me some stuff. I said, well, first of all, rule number one, I'm not a Jews. Y'all use all these phrases, right? I'm just giving you stuff from your church. I'm not a Jews. You don't come up and put a quarter in me and I do this song. And if you want, because you had a bad week this week, you want me to do because of this. Uh, number two, if you are already a member of this church, then anything we do on this platform pretty much has nothing to do with you. We're here to reach this community. And we're going to do whatever it takes to reach this community. And I said, so we're going to do songs that you won't like. I'll have to do songs I don't like, but it's not about us. It's about the kingdom. It's about reaching lost people. Now, what drives me and what drives that in me is Jesus' first example in the Bible of evangelism is when Jesus told the disciples to throw the net off on the side. And when they pulled it in, it said they had so many fish in the net they could not get the net in the boat. And then Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. So his first example of evangelism was so many fish you can't get them in the boat. And I hold on to that. I think we get to it. Listen, I'm excited that one person gets saved. I'll tell you. In fact, on side note, the best worship leaders that I know are ones who are evangelistic first. Remember that. In fact, it's what I look for in musicians and other worship leaders is, is their heart to reach lost people first, and that's why they play and sing. Those people are powerful in the kingdom. 
but it makes people sound good and they're talented. We, we, the church is full right now of, of musicians who are much more talented than they are wise. And that's why we have things going on right now where people who practice incredible worship songs are now renouncing their faith. It's because we have churches full of talented people who have no wisdom and have no biblical expectation, and that's one of those things. So, anyway, I feel that uh, in my conversation when they've been talking to me, I was talking about that we are going to stop looking inward, and we're going to start looking outward and reaching people. Now, at this time, the church was running about three or four hundred people. We were at three hundred um, in the first few years. Now, when I first came on the staff there, um, with uh, Bethlehem, First Baptist Bethlehem, I hear the choir, 50 person choir in rows with those, what they call it? Stole. Had the stole. Um, the first thing I did was I sold all the rows. And uh, I took that $800 and I lost the drums. And we're about to bring it out. Um, and that's the first thing I did. I immediately, I got to do all the hard stuff as fast as I can while I'm still a honey. And but I was still doing everything through the senior adults. I didn't do anything without even on the first. And uh, so I, I, when I was doing a new song, I would go to their lunch meeting and I would uh, play them. I would sing some Southern Gospel and some hymns and some hymns for them. Then I would go, hey, you know, we're doing this song on Sunday. And then I would uh, play them the new song. And what began to happen was the senior adults were the ones walking around the church going, wait, y'all hear this new song? What are we doing? They felt a part of the process. I have found, I know, if we talk personally, um, I'm working on some things, I don't know if it's for a book or what, but one of the things that um, I, 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 I think needs to be addressed in the church is how to identify rules in the church. And I titled it, Your Tale is Showing. That wolves are dressed in sheep's clothing. And so I understand that most of the time we're dealing with sheep, but some of y'all got some wolves in the church, you know? And every once in a while, the tail will show. And what happens is, we have to be the ones to start dealing with that before you're going to see any change in the church at all. And some of y'all are thinking, I thought we were going to talk about a person. That's the least of your worries right now. Getting rehearsals right is at the end of the session, but what's most important is what I'm saying to you right now. is learning how to identify the wolves in your church and figure out how to separate them. Now, one thing that always know, when you start to deal with the wolves in your church, the sheep are going to get mad at you because they think that wolf is a sheep. And you've got to be okay with that. And so sometimes the personality part, the protector part of you as far as the people in church, you have to look at the 79 sheep and go, we won't deal with this wolf on this guy. How do we do this? How do we move We'll talk about all that later. But all of those things, all those dynamics are going on all at the same time at that, 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 that point with me coming in. Now it's hard, it's very difficult because it's not like you can run around going, hey, he's a wolf. You can't do that. And so what you do is you start praying. And I'm talking praying. I'm talking like like you've never prayed before, begin to pray and cry to God on moving that guy out. Whoever it is, whoever your wolf is, when I talk about that, everybody immediately thinks of who the wolf is in the church. 
They're out of this. And they feel a lot of different characteristics. We're not going to talk about any of that. But I stepped into that role <clears throat> realizing this is not going to be as easy as I thought. I thought, based on all my knowledge from traveling all over the world, that I was going to come back and show Bethlehem how to do worship, how to worship, how to do business. It's going to be awesome. I had no idea that I was very undisciplined. And I did not have a bad clue what I was doing. Not one bit. Because all I did was travel. And I had to leave anybody and let them in. And I tried to get there on time. And my wife would get up, you know, if she could get there on time. It was like, get me on time, get the kid, get in there, and go to the next place. And all of a sudden, it's a totally different world. And we began to pray. We began to see some changes. I'm not going to talk about it in this session, but uh, one of the things to think about, you know, I had some people say to me that they, they see a lot of value we still have an acquired in church and awesome, go for it. I'm not saying that you need to do what I do, all right? At all, we don't think I'm saying anything negative. I just found that the choir at our church was um, an opportunity for people to have a platform that did not deserve to be on there at all. And we would have people, and we were thinking outward instead of inward. And when we were thinking outward, we would have people visit our church and go, I was with that guy Friday night. The guy singing in the choir, that dude is not a Christian. And, but, but we just had to just open the door for anybody to be in that choir because they didn't sing. And we put them in the choir, some of them didn't sing. And we put them up there on that platform in front of everybody. And I just said, I'm not doing that anymore. And so I spoke to you began to change and transition that so that we could only feel transitional. One of the things that I love about where we are now, and it took some time, it took, some, took a lot of work, was getting to a place where I could pull these guys anywhere, anytime. And I know they're here to worship. They're here to share Jesus. Every one of them can share their faith with anybody at any time. They all know the scripture, and they're here to just love people. And, oh yeah, they'll sing to it. Oh yeah, they'll play to it. I mean, but that's not why they're here. And to surround yourself with those kind of people, musicians, the worshiping musicians, they're so hard to come by. And when you find them, you just hold on to them with their life. But just so you know, when I first started, I started with, I had just a five-piece band. My drummer was uh, uh, 13, 13 years old. My sound guy, his eight-year-old son ran out of lights. Eight years old, couldn't even see his head over the, um, the barrier in the back. Um, I had my, my keys guy, I was born and raised with him, happens to be a freaking major um, musician. So he was playing keys. My bass player was 15. I'm talking of anybody in the church, that's all I had. All right, I'm not talking about but they were beating out adults for the positions. Um, I had a electric drum for those lasted about that long, and I got rid of the drum away. And uh, because one of the worst things you can do is control the drum's volume. Um, that's one of the most powerful instruments in the church, I believe. And so when you take the volume out of it, then you really just cut their ability to do what they're called to do. And so I started making that transition. Here's the deal. Every time I would do a new song, every time I make those transitions, I'm always talking to and hanging out with our senior adults. I wanted to love them so much that if they complained, they had to say the same sentence. But he sure loves us. 
No matter what they said about me, they had it in their sentence with, he kind of grasped last week. I mean, I was doing everything to reach the ministers of them. And at the same time, praying for God to give the rules. So, we grew to about 400 people. We got a new pastor. And I went from being the youngest on our staff to being the oldest on staff in one year. In one year, I went from the youngest to the oldest. And our church grew from 400 to 4,000 in the past eight years. So we've gone from 400 to 4,000. And when I look back, because you know when you're in the middle of it, you're just trying to survive. When you're in the middle of what God's doing and seeing all this life change stuff, it's just like the day begins and snap your fingers and it's over. And you go to bed and you do it again the next day. And there are times you just have to stop and look back. And what I realized is when I first started um, with a band, like I was so unorganized, I would tell them the song we were going to do is before planning center, God bless planning center. And if you don't have a planning center, you need we're going to give an invitation for you at the end of the session. It's one of the most incredible things. It totally changed my, my whole world when it first came out. So, we, but at that time, I worked with the planning center, so I was having to call everybody, make copies of music, send it all out to them, and do all that. And it was just a nightmare. And I'm giving the song we're going to do. We practice on Wednesday. We practice two or three hours on Wednesday, learning all the notes. I mean, I got a at one point, my 14 year old drummer, I don't know the song, stood up, threw his sticks down, right, walked over to the front pew, laid down, and goes, I'm only 14. And I, I just I walked over to him and I said, I know you're 14, but you don't play drums like a 14 year old. So get your rear end back in there and get this song down. So that's what we did with our Wednesday night. We practice, and then we come out on Sunday, and when we come out on Sunday, all of a sudden, everybody's going, What are we doing? What was the transition? How did I know? I didn't remember. And so I began to see there's a lot of things, a lot of wasted sideways energy that I was spending that I needed to make changes because the church was beginning to grow and I was losing margin in my life for anything else. And so I decided to put that margin on my musicians and telling them, you need to know your stuff. And we're not going to rehearse during the weekend. So I stopped all rehearsals during the week because it was a waste of time anyway because we ended up still having to go over it all again on Sunday. And people still made tons of mistakes. And it was very frustrating. And so I shut that down. I told them we won't practice during the week, but every Sunday, we, uh, everybody comes to church all the time at 6.30 a.m. at our church. And, you know, some people, like, they complain once they get there, but none of them complain because that means they have to come here in a week. But the only thing is, we don't meet on Sunday and make out notes and teach people chords and all that stuff. You have to know your music. And when you come in, everybody's ready. Now, I'm walking you up to get into rehearsal, but one of the things that um, began to shift with us is when the, when the band started getting there, um, I realized that this is it's a tricky thing getting with musicians, is it? You know, it's like, I mean, you have to keep your head on the swivel. You play this football, you understand what I'm saying? Head on the swivel. Like you're constantly having to pay attention to all the guys around you, all your musicians, 
all of you sound guys, media guys, and so on Sunday morning at 6.30, when we come in, um, I have my radar on. Now, just so you know, I go in at 5.30. If you're a worship leader, you uh, listen, I've got one guy who can't figure this out, but I need this. If you are with me, and I say the same thing for you, don't ever ask people to be at the church if you not be there first. What do we do? I, I cannot ask my people to come and do anything in my church and to do anything that we're doing and me to show up whenever I want to later on. It's just not how it works. That says something that you don't want to say. So I always tell our musicians, y'all, all of our worship leaders, that you beat your people there. So I go in and out there on Sunday. And one of my jokes is, is because I got more sin than everybody else. And so I'll go in and I literally spend some time just making sure because, listen, it doesn't matter if you take everything that we're about to show you halt and start doing it, it doesn't matter if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. If you don't have clean hands and a pure heart. If this doesn't come from a, a desire to see people's lives change, we're really in the wrong business. Don't do something you can make money. Because it really wastes the time. So for me, it's like I've got to make sure my hands are clean, my heart is pure. And so that morning time before everybody gets there, it's just that preparation. I spend most of the time keeping my mouth shut and just listening to what God's saying. At some point during that time, I'll go over the songs and get it over my heart and think about that. And then I prepare a thing for our PR meeting, which I'm going to explain to you in just a minute. So I prepare that. Uh, all of that, and then people start rolling in. And here's what I start doing. When people start coming in, one of the things I'll do is just immediately I call turn my radar on, where now that I'm dealing with my stuff, now that I've got myself to a point where I feel like, okay, we can go. When people start coming in, for the rest of the day, it's not about me. For the rest of the day, now, first of all, it's about my team. So one of the things I'll do, too, is I'll get on planning center and look at my band for the day, and I just pray for each one of them families, the kids, and um, and just cover them in prayer for the people leading worship and the other venues and things like that. Just praying for them and their families because this is a war. You know, this is not something you just get up in the morning, drive to church, sing a bunch of pretty songs and go home. This is warfare. This is like the stuff you're doing is actually possibly going to change someone's life forever. And God can do it on his own. He lets us be part of it, which is wow. And so I turn my radio on and I start watching. So Nathan comes walking in and he looks funky. You know, I'm looking at him going, oh man, he's in the back. There's something going on. You know, just keep an eye on him. Hey, you really doing okay? So I come on kind of nudge a little bit. You know, I had a situation one time <laughs> where uh, I've got a few married couples on my team. And uh, we started, uh, we walked out and started rehearsal and the husband, would not come up on the stage. He was standing out in the, in, uh, in the front with his microphone, still doing the rehearsal, but he wouldn't come up on the stage. His wife was like sucking on lemons and, and just like, and you could feel the tension. I mean, but everybody in the band is like, trying to act like we don't notice that they are really bad at each other. So I'm sitting there thinking, we want to deal with this because what, here's what happens. If you are non-confrontational, you might want to change what you do for a living if you're a worship pastor. 
Because for every one time you lead worship, you'll have 20 confrontational conversations with people. The bigger your church is, the bigger your teams get, the more you've got to deal with messy people. And messy people require hard conversations. And people don't follow people that don't do hard things. You'll turn around and find nobody's following you when you think things are just going to fix themselves. They don't. And so, the, so we end our rehearsal, and the very couple that happen to be coming out at the same time, but they're doing that weird kind of like, I don't to touch each other or anything. And so I just walked up to her and said, hey, what's going on with y'all? She said, he pulled out of the church over a mud hut, and she got out and got mud off of herself, and he's looking at me going, like, I didn't know. And so anyway, they tell me the whole reason, and I busted out of it. And then they started laughing. I'm like, Sid, this is because he parked over the mud puddle. Y'all, I mean, it was so funny. It made me joke. They ended up going and talking to everybody. The whole team said, hey, sorry, y'all, we're back. We like each other again. Please forgive us. Everybody laughed about it. That's part of the process of the team. Is being able to pay attention to personalities, you know. Sometimes some of these musicians they'll go play somewhere, do a camp or something, and they'll get home at four o'clock in the morning and turn around and be at the church at six thirty. I pay attention to those guys. I'm watching them, making sure uh, they're they're not too so funky or out of it, that they're not with me. Those are the ones I'll focus more on, thinking through. But part of the process too is I also have people on the team who are close friends of mine, who are actually the ones that come. They, they, they say I'm nicer when my wife is home. Like, she is always with me every week. They say I'm nicer when she is on the team because she's very peaceful. So there's other people on the team like that in my life. They'll sometimes come up and know me and go, hey, bro, you laying on a little thick. I'm going to back off a little bit. Maybe it's just the wrong order. You know, something like that. But like, you know, relax. We're good. So you always, it's, it's not just paying attention to them, but also paying attention to yourself and being able to process what's going on on the team. So then, we all come, we, uh, for instance, call time at 6.30. What time do you think we really start playing? Anybody? What? 7 o'clock. You're right. You are experienced. Like, I mean, call time 6.30, everybody's trying to get set. Everybody's trying to, hey, I can't hear this, can't hear this, people tune. And then, um, you know, very rarely about people coming in late, but everybody's just getting ready, you know. Everybody's trying to find stuff. Even though we have everything labeled in boxes with lights on it and your name written on it, and that's all your stuff, and your batteries are right here. You know, we have it all set up where you could come to our church, go to your box and have everything you need still. There's always issues with like something might happen where the sound's not right. We got, you know, some of the the, the, the computers on the keyboards drive me bonkers. Like, there's like, you, I just never know. Every week it's a crash. I don't know if it's going to work or not. You know, um, making sure okay, the clicks are on, but is the click working? There's just like so many little dynamics like that. And some weeks are good, some weeks are not. I want to tell you something, and please don't think this is sacrilegious, but I hear this all the time. When things go wrong on a Sunday, people like to say, well, the devil's attacking No, we're just not prepared. We just like to blame the devil for our lack of discipline a lot of times. But we have to spend a lot more time working through things 
And when we don't, then we like to blame the devil. He gets blamed for a lot of stuff that he had nothing to do with. And I'm sure he enjoys it. But like, I don't do that. I don't blame the devil. I blame me. I blame us. I blame Well, that didn't go right because we could have already turned it on to make sure it worked, but we didn't. So now we're standing here for 15 minutes waiting on the rehearsal. I got all these people that get up at 6 30 standing there waiting because I didn't have everything ready in time. That ain't the devil. That's me. So it's not that it's not like that. When something goes wrong, I always think how can we learn to improve that? How can we think out ahead of those things? So then we pulled everybody together. And we're gonna spend this last 30 minutes. Uh, walking through some of the stuff that we do. Um, does, does everybody use teenagers here? Or does anybody use like floor monitors? Does everybody use teenagers? What do y'all have? Floor monitors? You said floor monitors? You said floor monitors. Okay. No image. Okay. What do y'all got? Both? Man, I'm loving both. Me too. I want to go to that forever and ever again. Yeah. We don't have four on our just out here, but like having both really makes a big difference on the sound with us. It doesn't mess you up sound out here, don't you know? It doesn't. It can sometimes. Huh? It can sometimes. Just depending on how loud it is. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. For singers, it's awesome. Because like for me, like being able to hear it coming that way, it's so much better than coming out here. Anyway. And plus, I'm old school. I, I don't know if I have a way of uh, energy. But, so we all come up, uh, once we get everybody settled in, everything's working, everybody can hear. The first question I ask is, can everybody hear enough to start, to just get started? Because sometimes I can't hear Paul, I can't hear Shelly, I can't hear. So uh, making sure everybody can hear something, even though the mix might not be perfect, is they can hear something. So then, once we do that, we start our first song. So we're going to come up here with you and we're going to be starting. One of the things that, um, that I uh, love about this team, this is just, this is just one of them. We have uh, South Venue, Main Venue, we have um, two other campuses and we have another campus coming. So we, we have four campuses, that's four full live bands, four sound guys, four media guys, And it gets a little crazier because we could, we are in a place where we could just bring in really talented people and people out there wouldn't really know the difference. I refuse to do that. I am big on who people are off stage. It matters more to me than who they are on stage. So, and I realized back off from expectations of them being excellent musicians because so it's not like I go, yeah, you know, they're not real, they're not, they're not bad, but they love Jesus because then we'll go back to the world that I grew up in. The, I grew up in a world where the pastor would say, sister so-and-so, come up here and sing that song. And they are terrible. They can't sing. And, and we put them on our platform because here's what's wrong. When we, when we only think inward, that's why we don't grow. When you're thinking outward and you think a first-time guest comes in and they hear mediocre music, you think they're going to come back? 
Somebody came and going, you know what? I've never tried church. Let's give God a shot. Couple about to get a divorce. Never been to church before. And they decide, we're going to go to Bethlehem. And they walk in and they hear mediocre singing and a bunch of inward thinking people. They're not going to come back. And you lose them. And so you want to create an environment. So one of the things with these guys is we don't do green room stuff. Um, we uh, like we have green room where everybody can go and chill out and stuff. But before the service, this is 15 minutes before the service, everybody is out talking to everybody there. You're talking to people, and don't forget, I want to address all that and then when I do the PR thing about the um, stuff we say. So then after we get the whole in air check, and everybody's good. Then we'll go ahead and start the um, the song. So let's do uh, trample. And I'll just say, see uh, graves, click. But you don't have to click since you have way too to. I'm going to talk to you while we're doing this. This is the end.
Like she comforted her. You wouldn't believe where we got her from and what God has done in us. Now, the people who've been redeemed, people who've really been redeemed, I'll tell you what, when they worship, it draws people into worship. One of the things that's big with me about team stuff, like even in rehearsal, people are engaged in worship. It's not performance. There's not just, uh, it's not just movements to move. And so I'll just tell people, like, I'll just say, all right, Paul, here's the deal. You are assigned to this side. That's your side. So these are the people. Make eye contact. Look at people. Pray for people with your instrument. Don't just play it. Minister to the people that God has put in front of you for that day. Because where I am, I can't reach all the way over there. But Paul can. And so Paul's over there playing. And he's worshiping and he's playing. Because even though words are coming out of his mouth, words are coming out of his hands when he plays. So then, once we do our whole, right, we'll do that first song all the way through. Once that song is over, then it's up, then we're on, it's up to Noble. Noble's the guy on the side, Patrick, back here, James, or Jane, uh, oh, Jack? What do we got? Okay. Anyway, so another key thing, always know the sound guy, they can be his best friend. They always get a good mix. Um, so, then once we run through that first song, then I'll just say, all right, here's, and everybody goes through and starts figuring out, I need this, little less of this, mine are horrible, I need to redone, we have a guy with an iPad that comes up and just changes things, and then we just go through all the other songs. This is very important. I, if you will do what I'm saying to you next, it's going to change everything in your church, and you'll get pushback. But get them used to it, and they'll never want to go another way again, all right? Once we're done with our whole run-through, um, we uh, do a thing called a PR meeting. It's called a pre-run-through meeting. So everybody then comes down front, and Nicole, we have different producers and stuff. We have different titles. You can talk about what you want to do. But they'll come, and they print out the planning center sheet of everything that day. And they will say, all right, good morning, good to see you guys. The rehearsal went great. Here's the order for today. First of all, countdown is going to start right here. That first video is going to come right here. The first song is this. And Mezzles will be singing that song. They go through everything. Any questions, they talk about the song and how to transition. Don't forget in this song, we're only going to do the bridge twice. We're not going to do it three times like last week. And we talk through the whole thing. Even the person doing the announcements comes to this meeting. So we walk through everything and say, okay, then how are going to come into the announcements after that? We're going to come back up and talk through the whole thing. Once we get the logistics done, the next thing is I do that PR thing. So I will share something. What's something God's put on my heart for the team that week, something that maybe has happened that week. I try to pass on as many awesome stories that has happened that week as possible. Because they don't know. And so I'll say, hey, you guys need to know we got a lady saved last uh, Tuesday. She came in the office, and so when I share with her, tell her all these things, and I'm always passing on. When somebody comes to me and says, you guys were awesome, I immediately take that to the team and go, hey, I had someone come and tell me how awesome you guys did today. Don't absorb compliments that are not for you, they for your team. So, so then we, so we go through the whole PR meeting, I share with them, and then I have these repetition things. We got it done, right? 2.30, what's supposed to be done? 2.45. Okay, 
So they're going to have these repetition things. I am big on repetition. When my kids roll their eyes, they just heard me for the first time. And so you have to repeat things over and over and over again to set culture. So here's some of the things that I repeat. The thing that I'll say, y'all have to remember all of them. One of them is, somebody is coming today giving God one last shot. Somebody's coming today giving God one last shot. So everything you do matters. Everything you do matters. Don't blow off sleep because you already heard the service one time. It ain't about you. And the PR meeting, the whole reason for this conversation that I'm having with them is to help everybody transition and get it all down. Do they have issues? Yes. Do they have things they need to deal with? Yes. But from this point on to the end of the day, it ain't about them. It's about people coming, not about the band anymore. If you train musicians to do that, you can break any horse on earth. Like, truly, it's one of the hardest things is to get people to stop thinking about themselves. But when you create that culture, you move at the speed of light. When you get people walking into a room and going up and turning the radars on and thinking about other people. So that's the whole conversation. Um, one of the things I tell them is just go and get puked on before we start. Now, the reason I say that is because a lot of times the reason why people like to stay in the green room or stay away is because when you go and you start talking to people, you know you have, you'll have certain people, specific ones that do it every week, but you know sometimes people just walk up and all of a sudden they're just dropping bombs on you, telling you about their horrible week or, you know, I mean, I've had situations where I had a guy come to me one time, he said, uh, and this is a guy who's just like a good friend, love him, love his wife, comes up and says, my wife doesn't mean and I was like, what? Like, I just didn't see that coming. And those moments, they feel like, you know what? Maybe I should just stay in the back where I can keep my mind on God and this is, keep this thing. Yeah, this is crazy. I, I'm just getting on myself. That's one of the changes I've made is, listen, you lead worship so much better when you spend time people and get people on. Because while you're doing certain lines in the song, you're thinking about the people singing those lines going, man, this is I know this is mentioned to them. And it changes your view of everything when you go get puked on. What else? Don't get caught hanging out with people. Okay, don't get caught hanging out with people you're going to spend eternity with. If you meet a first-time guest, what do you do? Come get me. If you meet somebody that's their first time here, you come get me, I want them to meet me down here before they ever see me on the stage. It changes people's whole view if they see you as a normal person that you talk to before they see you on the stage. That thing makes people act weird towards you. And so it's really good for you to already have a conversation with them and talk to them before they ever see you up on that stage. That's big. What would you say? Come right up. Come already prepared. Parts ready, ready to go. This is not the time to all of a sudden start spinning. Like, it sounds really sacrilegious, but I always tell everybody, once we get to this point, you don't need to get so distracted worshiping that you make mistakes. This is not about you anymore. It's about them. So you come ready, heart full, ready to minister to these people. Anything else on this? Oh yeah, and then I say it's time to flip the switch. So right now, flip the switch. No longer is it about you. For the rest of the day, it's about them. Go talk to people. 
Don't ask questions. I'll even, I'll even do things like, don't ask, is it your first time here? Because I've made a mistake of asking that, and like, don't come here for six months. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, so, you know, how, how long have you been coming? Is a good way to ask it instead of, is this your first time? And learn to ask questions. And you need to know, if all you know who you are, don't go talk about yourself. Ask them all the questions. Just ask them. Where are you from? Uh, how long have you lived here? Do you have any family? And you just ask, 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 ask. You can you ask 15 questions, you walk away and think you're the coolest person you've ever met, and they don't know one thing about you. It's because they just want to have a conversation with somebody. They, they want to be known. They actually want you to know them. They really don't want to know you. When someone comes up and compliments you and says, you did such a good job, they don't really want to tell you how awesome you are. They want you to know them. So immediately take that compliment and reach out and go, well, I appreciate that. Well, how long have you been coming here? Well, then you just start asking them questions because that's what they want. They want that connection. What was it you were telling me to do, Shirley? Oh, I was talking about here with the transition videos. Oh, yeah. So another thing that we started doing is, like, for instance, you know, all these songs that we're doing, um, I don't like at all ever doing a song, ending it, and then doing another song and ending it. Or, like, the next song we're going to do is Local Cops. Like, no, no, no. So, like... So we, when we do songs, we, we uh, a lot of times, like the songs that we did today is all I can see. And it makes the transitions easy. You never stop, it just flow. So you just, when you get to the end of that song, you kind of crash out. He changes the click in our ear, and then we're writing the next song. You just boom, 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 and it's just smooth. And so uh, one of the things we started doing over the last, just shortly, I haven't been that long, is I've been doing transition videos where I just get one of them to hold a phone. I sit at the keyboard and I will just play all the songs and show the bands uh, what our transition is going to be. It's going to end like this, change the click, and then go on to this next song. Those have been a huge hit. Those have taken, no, by the way, probably 20 to 30 minutes out of our rehearsal by sending everybody a transition video. Everybody already knows what we're doing. And it's give or take. You know, some musicians may go, I like it, but I want to do this. I, I give them freedom. But, dude, it's been awesome where uh, there's some that just come in and so glad to have that where they learn it and they just come in and do those transitions and make some smooth. So, uh, what else? Okay, last time. And we got five minutes. One of the most important things I'm going to leave you with is, one, is this right here. Um, there was a time uh, where Bethlehem didn't sing. You know what I'm saying? Like, did they like the music? Yes. Did they love being there? Yes. God was moving. But I just noticed that there was never a time where I could say, you sing, and back off the microphone and hear them sing like People just did the same. And I really just asked the Lord, like, what can I do to get people to sing? Just to, you know, Baptist church I grew up in, everybody sang, everybody was out eating and they couldn't sing. It was just loud, everybody, you know. And through a series of events, I realized I'm the problem. 
it's because technology has made it where you can you can hear a brand new worship song every week. I mean, every time you hear, oh, that's good, let's do that, oh, that's good, let's do that. And I was just constantly giving a new song. And I would, I would think, you know, I'll do a new song, maybe two Sundays in a row, but I don't do it too many times because people will get tired of it. So here's the thing, if you are writing anything down, you need to write this down, and please don't get mad at it, okay? You are fooling yourself if you think these people are leaving your church listening to these songs. They go right back to country music, right back to pop, right back to the other music. Now, there are some, but you know, a regular attender, uh, a person who considers himself a regular attender of a church, goes to church two Sundays a month. That is the average across the United States. Two Sundays a month considers himself a regular attender. So they're only coming twice a month. And they're not listening to those songs except for Sunday. How long do you think it's going to be before they get on the song? And we only do it twice, and then we don't do it again. So nobody knows the music. Martin Luther nailed 95 pieces to the door, and one of the reasons why is because people came to church and they watched the service go on in a language they didn't understand. And he said, this is a travesty. We can't do this. And yet that's exactly what we have done in any of our services. Do they want to be there? Yes. They sure would like to understand, but they don't. They stand there and drink their coffee, read the words, sit down and listen to a sermon. And I'm not giving people the opportunity to learn their songs. So just a few weeks ago, I had a group from uh, uh, Arkansas, from three worship leaders, sat in my office, and I asked them, how many songs have you guys, how many new songs have you guys done since January? 52. They have done 52 new songs since January. And I was like, okay, all right. And he said, well, how many have you done? And I said, 10. And this was just a few weeks ago. And they were like, our people would hate that. And I was like, there's always one or two that go, hey, we're going to do that song again. You know what? You just need to look at it as one of your kids rolling their eyes. They're coming in here for the first time. We take things the wrong way. You got those naysayers. I'm not saying wolves. I'm not saying a tail showing. I'm not saying a sheep just have bad attitudes. Sometimes they look like wolves. And they'll come up and they, you just know when they come up and just have to, they give you discouragement. They just want to come up and tell you everything you did wrong. And the criticism and all that stuff. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the other 99% of the people in the church. They're going to appreciate the fact that you're actually giving them a chance to learn the music, to learn the songs. And I'll tell you another thing. It changes how you pick songs when you know you're going to do it <laughs> over and over and over again for months. I mean, I literally listen to a song, but I really like it. I don't think I'm going to do it for six months. I, I, I think I would make it. And so that's what I think. And I also think, what words do I want to put in the mouths of our people? And so I make sure that those words are easy to learn, but the biblical doctrine sound. I also make sure that the melodies are good. And so we, I, when I came, I looked at our pastor, and I told him what I just said to you. And he said, I want you to preach that next Sunday. That's right when Jesus first come. When you first came here. And so I preached that, and I actually confessed to our church. I actually repented to our church and asked them to forgive me, and so we're not going to do that anymore. And so, even more, 
where we are about to head into a time where it's not about the musicians. Because I'm telling you, these musicians are way, way, way more talented than they ever get to show anybody. And we're doing the same song over and over and over again. But it didn't take long. I mean, probably, it probably took two months. And in two months, our church became a singing church. I'm, I'm, we're still teaching some how to worship, but at least they sing. And it was all because we weren't given an opportunity to know the songs. So as far as your song selections and things you think, please talk to your pastors. Everything has got to be submitted under your pastors, so please don't think I'm saying you serve as authority or any of that. I'm just saying that there is a there is a, a better way to do this when it comes to picking the songs where you give your people the opportunity, just like any of us going on in the Baptist church and the hymns we did. I mean, I, my favorite thing was all night singing. Number one, because it's the one we're going to be preaching. But number two, because we're going to do music the whole time. And I can sit there and call out every favorite hymn. I knew every page number. I still know the page numbers of all of those songs in the Red Hymn book. And we call them out and we sing them. I loved it. And then, here's what's really cool is we started doing that in over um, a few years, but we just had a thing called Night of Worship a couple of weeks ago. That's when we realized how much our culture has changed. So all those years ago, four years ago, is it four? Is that right? Four years ago, we started that. And when we did that, up till Night of Worship the other night, we, we, we literally did not have to be there. Like, we didn't even need microphones. All we really need to do is start a song and let them go. And it was like a wall of sound and everybody's singing. And so we're, we're pulling up songs that we've been doing over the last four years. And they knew every word and they were singing their guns out. And, and it was so awesome. Just pulling everybody together and experiencing worship like that. And it reminded me a lot of growing up all night singing, everybody singing our favorite hymns. We just have different hymns now. You know, you know this. Paul and Silas were never singing hymns in the place you They weren't singing amazing grace that hadn't been written yet. So there actually can be new hymns. There actually can be new songs or things like that that we have to be aware of. I just want to end by saying this. Um, there's probably a lot of you who do this longer than me and probably do it better than me. But I just want you to know how much I respect you guys. And what you do. Uh, I think about people that do this job, and it's, it is not for the faint of heart. It is not easy because you're constantly balancing what you feel the Holy Spirit is saying and what God is saying to the pastor. And sometimes it's not on the same page. And balancing that part out and also uh, engaging your team and drawing in musicians and drawing in people of excellence. Uh, who love Jesus and don't just, not just want to play their guitar. Dealing with all of those things, and some of you are part-time, which it's just part-time, you know that. There's no such thing as part-time when it comes to ministry. But I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you and what an honor it is for me to get to come and do something like this with you. And they feel the same way. And they're available to you. I know that you probably have more questions for them than me. And so I want you to be able to do that. So when we end this time, we're going to be hanging out. And please feel welcome to come and talk to any of these guys. They are all, in my opinion, 
masters and the positions they're in. And that's why I have to come. They're all, to me, some of the best in those positions. And I can't believe I can hang out with everyone. So let me pray. We're done. Thank you, Lord, um, for getting us through a session after lunch and keeping us focused, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you have a plan for our churches. Lord, I pray for each one of these worship pastors, Lord, and music ministers. And Lord, I just call them forth to their destiny. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. I thank you that you've already gone out ahead of them and you prepared a way. You're the voice behind them saying, This is the way to go. Lord, I pray blessings on the works of their hands. Lord, I pray you give them vision, fresh vision. I pray you, Lord, for services tomorrow, Lord, that you will pour out your spirit. Lord, I pray that you will burn in our hearts to pray for the people around us. And Lord, I pray for revival. That you will bring revival. And not just a few, but we're selfishly asking for so many we can't get in the boat. And we want to be disciplined enough and prepared enough to handle that kind of way of you changing lives. So Lord, let us do that. Let us see that, Father. Pour out your spirit. Bring forth salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless y'all. Have a good day.